Well, there is nothing like a global pandemic to help you feel disconnected. I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, but even now when you, you, know, you start to come out of the tail end of a global pandemic and, and you find yourself doing things automatically that you've just adapted to, like I don't stand any closer than six feet from people now unless they attack me, but that's a different story, right? Uh, I, I don't know how to shake hands. I, like, do we do this? Do we do this? I, I don't really know. So it's always like you're, you're getting ready to spar when you get up to somebody and you don't know whether to handshake, you know? Are we going to punch each other or are we going to shake hands? I don't know. Uh, Amazon. How many people have become super proficient in Amazon? Not like we weren't before, right? I don't remember. This is embarrassing. I don't remember the last time I went to a mall. Seriously. I mean, I think it was back during Harvey because it all comes to me. I sit there on my computer. It just shows up. It's a wonderful thing. The, the porch pirates think the same thing sometimes, but that's a, that's a whole other story. There's all these things that this pandemic has done to us that have crea creatively enabled us to isolate, to become separated and independent. And some of it, you know, like, like I, I joked a while back, it's like that's the main difference you're going to find in this whole thing with extroverts and introverts because the extroverts are all saying, man, I can't wait for this pandemic to be over. And the introverts are saying, what pandemic? Is there a pandemic? <laughs> but it's not necessarily the best thing. And in every hazard, there is an opportunity. In every situation that seems bad, there's always an opportunity to do something good. And so here's what I think we have the opportunity to do, church. We have been distanced. We have been separated. We have been pulled apart in various ways by this global pandemic. So maybe it's time as members of Christ's body that we remember. We reconstitute the body of Christ. Now, why would we want to do that? Well, because as I look around the world, there has never been a time when we need a message of hope. There has never been a time when we need to heal the divisiveness and create unity. And there's never been a time where the peace that passes understanding has been needed more than now. And what does God choose to show the world that grace and that peace and, and that way of living? Well, he uses the body of Christ. Now, if you've never wondered, if you've ever wondered what the body of Christ is, you're in the right place this morning because that's what we're talking about. And the body of Christ is you, us, all of us. I'm looking at the body of Christ this morning. I like what I see, by the way. This imagery comes from Paul, and he uses it in 1 Corinthians, which is where we're going to park today. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be dwelling in uh, verses 12 through 17. But let me set the stage just a little bit, because Paul chooses this metaphor on purpose. He's writing to a church in Corinth that has so much diversity that they're having trouble getting along. Uh, they don't always agree. They don't always come from the same backgrounds. They don't always believe in the same things. Uh, some of their, there's some pride issues. Some people are trying to come to the fore and, and carry their message. It, there's just a lot of division in the church. And so Paul uses this body metaphor on purpose because he says, out of many parts, there is one body. Does that sound familiar in the uh, historians of the United States? Out of many, one e pluribus unum, <laughs> it's on the money, right? Yeah, if only we could be as one as our money is. Yeah. All right, I'm sure that'll preach. So uh, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse 12, and I am going to put it up for you visual learners. Just be ready for an eye check. 
So here we go. Paul says this, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell... What? What? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I think that's supposed to be nose. Yeah. Uh, oh, everyone's there's no no. Yeah, I, I got distracted with the slide. Squirrel. Yeah. Okay. I'm back. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. These are the words of God, and they are for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Paul uses this analogy of the body, and he says that the body of Christ is one. But is it? So here's what makes us one, the spirit. If you look at the way Paul phrases this, he says, we are one because of the one spirit that we have all taken to drink. If that that brings back memories of communion, it's purposeful. As Jesus commanded his disciples to love one another as I have loved you, and on that last night together when they broke bread and and took the wine, he reminded them that this was my blood, take and drink, and as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He followed that with his new commandment to his disciples, love one another as I have loved you. All that should sound familiar. But what makes us not one? If, If the Spirit makes us one, what makes us not one? The answer is found right here in, in this scripture. If you look at verses 14 through 19, we have an, a, a case of comparisonitis going on. If you've ever compared yourself to someone else, you know exactly what this is. Because in verse 14, he says, uh, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That doesn't make it any less part of the body. It's easy for us to look at other people, to look at their gifts or their, their time, talent, and treasure, as we keep saying here, and say, well, I, I can't compete with that. I, I don't have anything to offer. Folks, I'm here to give you a word of encouragement. First of all, thank God that we're not all the same. 
Dude, that would drive you nuts. Uh, secondly, God places these parts in the body on purpose so it will function. And each one has a function. People can do a million things that I can't do. Every person that I meet is capable of doing something that I am not capable of. And when I phrase it that way in my head as I meet people, it keeps me humble. Because it reminds me that there are things that need to be done that I cannot do. I mean, I could do, maybe, but not well. And so we need each other in that regard. And as we come together in that body of Christ, the way that God has formed us with all those differences, don't compare yourself to others. The thing that I would recommend is that you ask God, how have you made me? And what would you have me do in my current situation? And I bet if we are persistent enough in that prayer, that God will have an answer for us. In fact, his word pretty much guarantees that. So take heart that you are made in a very specific way. You have very specific experiences. You have very specific time and uh, uh, talents, rather, and ways that you interact with the world. So I want to encourage you to live fully into that this morning. The other thing that will knock us out of, of being one is a, a little bit of pride. So the comparisonitis was, well, but I'm not that, so I'm not part of the body. But pride is just the opposite. It says in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Now, this is humbling for Americans and especially, by golly, Texans. So we do need each other. We're raised on the John Wayne spirit or whoever it is currently that is, is the the pride of self-reliance. And on the frontier, that works great. Because when you're all out there by yourself and you got to do it by yourself, that's what you need. You need that self-reliance. But the greater body of Christ is designed to function together. And so our self-reliance sometimes get in, in, gets in the way of what Christ would do through us. So that's why I say every time I meet somebody else, I'm, I'm always reminded in humility that they have something that they know or something they can do that I can't. But man, when we partner together, amazing things can happen. That's the way that we're wired. That's the way we're created. That's the way God intended us to be. Otherwise, he never would have said, be fruitful and multiply. He would have said, go get him, John Wayne. And Adam's name would have been John, right? <laughs> Okay, that's a bad one. Let's scratch that one. Never use that one again. Note to self. <laughs> All right, so now that we know what uh, makes us one and what makes us not one, here's the very interesting thing to me, is that we are the only part of a body that can decide on our own to not function. I'll let that sink in for just a second. We're part of a body, but we have the capability to decide that we are not going to function or that we are going to function. One of the things I want to share with you this morning is a book by Tom Rainer. It's going to be something that we incorporate into WordServe 101. Tom Rainer wrote this book called I Am a Church Member. And if you haven't read it yet, well, we have some copies available. I would love for you to get a chance to read it. But Tom wrote this book not too long ago. He's a, a big in the church industry, has written tons and tons of books. And one of the things that he wrote this book for was to remind people of what it really means to be a church member. Now, I'm going to use his words and not mine. But he starts off with this comparison between a country club versus a church. And, and this is why this is so important to us, because in our modern society, where we are today and the way that we live, Tom says, we have more of a country club mindset. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you've ever been a member of a country club, 
uh, I'm going to follow the Groucho Marx uh, addition there that uh, I would never join a club that would accept me. But anyway, uh, if you've ever been part of a country club, you know how it works. You pay your dues and you get services. That's a country club. And if you're not happy with that, you, you talk to the appropriate people and the services change. Compare that to membership in a church. You pay your dues and you expect services. I'm waiting to see if anybody reacted to that. <laughs> no, what Tom says is you pay your dues, but you expect to serve. You see the difference? And it's very Jesus-oriented because Jesus himself said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And that's why this is an easy one to preach the word serve because it's half of our name. We know what serving is about. We, we're familiar with this model. And I say this only to, to recognize that this exists in our world today, and we need to counteract that by our example of service, by our example of belonging and deciding to function. And what does that mean? It means that I know what God has placed me here to do. Or maybe I don't know, but I'm going to step out in faith until it becomes a little more clear. And sometimes that's a nudging from within. Sometimes that's a need from without. But whatever it is, I want to encourage you, there is a place for you. There is a place for your experience. There is a place for your talents. And there is a place where you can contribute to something that is way bigger and will last way longer than any of us. Is that good news or is it just me? I think that's awesome news. So this is my encouragement this morning is that we take a look at this. And, and Tom also encourages, he gives two questions that people often ask when it's, uh, it comes to serving in church. I'm going to let you guess which is the country club question and which is the church question. The questions are, should I serve my church or how should I serve my church? So which one do you think is the church answer? There we go. We're, we're doing great. I, at least I didn't get Jesus. It's <laughs> kind of what I was expecting. I don't know. You guys are getting better. All right. So here's the, here's the interesting thing in all of this to me. Like I said before, we're the only part of a body that can just up and decide not to work. How many of you, you don't have to show me your hands, but I'm just asking a rhetorical question, right? How many of you have ever had a part of your body that decided not to work? Or, or didn't work correctly, <laughs> like in the last hour, right? <laughs> you know what this is like, like this runner right here, and the knee just says, you know what, I'm done. I'm not working anymore. And so we see this picture of this runner, which is ironic because she's out trying to be healthy and do the right thing, and this knee is acting up, and now she can't do that. Now, if you're that runner, what are you going to do in this situation? You're probably going to have that looked at. Because that's not normal. You're going to go to either going to put heat on it or ice on it, maybe take some ibuprofen if it's serious enough. You're going to go to a doctor. Uh, you're going to have it looked at. You're going to have physical therapy. There's going to be maybe surgery, all kinds of things. But it's all pointed towards the fact that this is not normal and it needs to be fixed. So my question this morning is, why is it in the body of Christ when body parts cease to function that we just go, yeah. Oh, well, no, that's not right. We need to take a look at that and see what can we do to get that part working again. Now, it's much more complicated in the spiritual world and in the, the body of Christ world, but it's worth pursuing. 
Because what do we want to represent to the world? This? Or do we want to run the race that is before us, as Paul says? So <clears throat> here is the challenge. We have to figure out how we function. And there's plenty of ways to do this. You've got plenty of help. You don't have to do this on your own. And then we have to figure out how we can plug in to that functioning body of Christ. Why? Because the world needs to hear the message of hope and peace that Christ offers. And he wants to offer that through us. So I want to give you an illustration of what this looks like when the body of Christ works well or when it doesn't. And I wrote a letter of encouragement to WordServe. Well, let me rephrase that. My body wrote a letter of encouragement to WordServe, and I want to share that with you now. Dear WordServe, I wanted to write a note of encouragement to Ryan alone. God's word tells us that he will never leave us. One of my favorite verses is Joshua 1.9. You get the idea. And then finally, word Servians, you are never alone. Now, how many of you feel encouraged? <laughs> how many of you are going, what in the world? Let me tell you what happened. Like I said, my body decided to write you a note of encouragement. It started off as it should. My fingers started typing, and I got through all the way to remind but my fingers, they started fighting with each other, and they turned in on themselves, and so I had to type with my fists. And, and, and so it got a little weird there for a second. But then the nose noticed that something didn't smell right, and so it took over. Now, here's the good news and bad news about the nose. The good news is the nose is extremely accurate. So the spelling is, is perfect. The, the bad news is, it's also painfully slow. How many of you have ever typed with your nose? Good. <laughs> Please don't. And here's the other uh, added byproduct that I did not know until I actually tried it. You know how many times you can go cross-eyed typing with your nose? <laughs> and by the end of it, you're going, whoa. That, that was about as much as I could take right there, and I was done. And that took a long time to type with my nose. But in the, it, you know, the nose w was doing its thing. Well, then the toes. The toes got jealous because they said, look, typing is supposed to be done by digits, and if the fingers aren't going to do it, it's high time that we shed the shelter of the shoes and socks and got some glory for ourselves. Come on, toes, we can do this. And so the toes began to type. How many of you have typed with your toes? Please don't. <laughs> and so we got through a little bit. And you know, the, the funny thing about toes is it's actually not as bad as you would think. It's just there's some, some accuracy issues. So occasionally I would hit two or three keys at once. And, and here's the weird thing. When you get to Joshua 1.9, if you know what Joshua 1.9 says, you could still be encouraged by this message. Right? I mean, you, oh, yeah, I know Joshua 1.9. That, yeah, that's the one that's in. And now you're encouraged. But here's the thing. What if you don't know Joshua 1.9? What if you've never heard of Jesus Christ, Joshua, or the Holy Bible? What message are you going to receive? You're going to receive gobbledygook, and you're not going to be encouraged, and you're probably going to go, I'm not listening to them again. They're going to make no sense to me. And so here's how it wound up, by the way. The brain finally said, all right, look, apparently I have to do everything myself, so I'm just going to take over. How many of you have ever tried to type with your forehead? <laughs> yeah, it's just like it looks. 
I was trying to hit letter. I guess this is a, a, a testament to the size of my cranium, but I was, I was trying to hit letters and I kept hitting numbers. I, I couldn't, you know, I would look and I'd aim. <clears throat> no, well, no, you get what you get, right? But here's the happy ending to all of this is that finally the whole body came to its senses and the brain said, look, guys, we got a, we got a message to share. I know what I want to say, but I need hands to, to stop fighting with each other and, and help me out. And I need feet to, to go back into place because I, I, I need to get to the place where this message needs to be delivered. I need it to be delivered strong and clear. And so finally, at the end of the message, after we came to our senses, word Servians, you are never alone. But here's what the message was supposed to say in the beginning. And here's what the message would have said if my body had functioned properly. Dear word, sir, I wanted to write you a note of encouragement to remind us all that we are never alone. God's word tells us that he will never leave us. One of my favorite verses is Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Word Servians, you are never alone. Now, which message would you prefer to hear? I hope you would prefer to hear the message from a functioning body. And I hope that the world around us would prefer the same. I hope that we can function so that God's message comes pure through us. And we don't get in the way of that message. We don't create gobbledygook. How does that happen? It happens when the Spirit leads us as one to come together as the body of Christ and to share the message of good news that he has given us. It happens when we get out of the way and let Jesus do and the Holy Spirit do what they do. They work in and through us to deliver a message that the world needs to hear. So, what do we do? What are the next steps? Well, you can go through all the spiritual gift surveys, and in fact, uh, that is one of the things at the very bottom that is available on our website, wordserve.org slash spiritual gifts. If you want to take a free inventory of what your spiritual gifts are so you might learn how you could contribute to the body of Christ, you can do that. But I find that uh, a lot of times that's more complicated than you really need. So I'm going to offer you three questions that you can dwell on that might help you start to figure out where you might function in this body of Christ. And here they are. What is it that I can't not do? And I've shared this with you before, but it's good to remember. What is it that I can't not do? And it's not improper English. It means what can I, I just keep getting drawn back to it like a moth to the light. Like no matter how hard I try, I can't stop doing this thing or thinking about this. The second one I offer is, what comes effortlessly for me? If you stand me up in front of a group of people and you say, talk, I can do that. If you stand me up in front of a foundation and say, build a house, you don't want that house. <laughs> I bet you have similar things that you can do effortlessly. And that's the way God wired you. So think about that. And what can I spend hours on doing and not notice that time has passed? Have you ever been in, so involved in something that you kind of like forgot to eat? I do that sometimes. That, that's why Rana gets on me. But I will forget to eat. <laughs> it's it's kind of pathetic, but that's just the way it is. All right, so dwell on those three questions. And also, on the uh, if you're looking for a place to plug in and actually serve in the body of Christ, 
wordserve.org slash serve has a whole list of opportunities where you can plug in and use those gifts and talents and experiences that God has given you. So I encourage you to do that because, like I said, the world needs to hear a message of peace. The world needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and it won't hear it from a dysfunctional body. It will hear it from a functioning one. Now, why do I say all of this? Because uh, this is a beginning of a cycle of membership. So if you would like to become a member of WordSir, what we call Covenant Partners, we're going to have some classes at the end of October, 1st of November, and then we'll have a membership Sunday in November. More to follow. But I say that is this was planned all along after the whole summer of invitations and ministry fair and now membership. So there's a cycle that has been pre-planned, uh, I would like to say preordained by God. And uh, that's where we're going to go with this. So if you have questions about that, please let me know. But there will be more to follow. But I just can't help but wonder, well, maybe it's time that we came together to serve and not to be served. Maybe it's time that we came together to give a message of hope. Maybe it's time that we functioned as Christ would have us function, to be a light to the world. Maybe it's time to remember. Will you pray with me, please? God, remind us that unity is your goal. The reconciliation of the entire world is your goal. Remind us also that we can play a part in that. We are invited into this great adventure. God, we come to you with some hesitations. We don't know exactly how to do this, or we may not have confidence. But by your spirit, equip us, empower us, drive us out of a motive of love, the same love that you have for us, so that we may see every individual as an opportunity to tell the good news and invite them into the body so that we function all the better. God, as we go about our lives, I pray that you would help us to overcome any obstacles, any words that this world would put in our ears that would discourage us, and that we would follow those words of Joshua, that we would be strong and courageous, not of our own strength and not of our own courage, but of your strength and your courage, which is never-ending and unfailing. God, give us the strength to be your body, and let us be the body as one. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.